I'm John. And I'm John. We're classically trained conductors who are also working theater music directors. Each week, we'll tell you a little bit about shows we enjoy and why you should check them out if you haven't yet. This is Musical Minutes with John and John. Hi, John. Hey, John. How's it going? Oh, it's good. You know, I I have no idea where we are. Time has completely become a meaningless concept for us in the terms of recording these episodes. So it's just, you know, I'm happy to be here. That's all I can ask for. So uh, what are we talking about today? Today, we are doing another best of episode. And this time we're tackling the giant duo of Rogers and Hammerstein. So here we go. As with our Sondheim episode, we've gone through all the shows that this duo wrote together, and we've we've picked songs from all the shows, we've divided them into arbitrary categories, and we're going to determine what song is the best song that they ever wrote. Now, to help limit this, we are (laughs) only discussing the shows that they wrote for the Broadway stage in their lifetime. So for those of you who were hoping for a win by either State Fair or Cinderella, I'm sorry, but they didn't write those shows for the Broadway stage. Though I think, again, for at least the second time, if not the third time on this podcast, if you haven't seen State Fair, you should seek out State Fair and watch State Fair for the amazing tertiary love couple of two pigs. Sorry, I, I have no way to get out of that. I just really yeah. like the fact that they wrote a show that involves a third love couple that's two pigs. And and of course, because this is a purely audio podcast, no one can see me just nodding in agreement. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So going into this one, uh, I, I don't know if we didn't have a unified view going into the Sondheim episode, but I feel like we just didn't talk about what we thought the best Sondheim song was. And I think going into this one, we maybe have a more unified view as to sort of what is on the mountaintop to be knocked off as their best song. But we're going to try to be as impartial as we possibly can. And to help with that impartiality, as I said, I've created a couple different categories that we will choose some best songs from to be able to then pit head to head against one another. So those categories are Natural Reveries, Ain't It Swell, Love Songs and Love Duets About Not Being in Love, (laughs) Comedy Songs, and Reflections and Instructions. So we have five categories. Before we get into this, again, like last time, at least the standard I'm holding myself to, I'm not going to speak for John because he can... He can Has put no whatever standards. rubric. Yeah, he can put whatever rubric the hell he wants. For me, the cat the what it breaks down to is are we judging song versus performance slash performer? Is it a good song because of performance, or can it be sung by anyone? Those are my big things. It, a song, you know, for a song in my mind to be considered quote unquote best, it has to be a good song no matter who is singing it. If a bad singer is singing it, it's still a good song. If a great singer is singing it, fantastic. If the only reason I know and love this song is because X sang it, that doesn't count. Because then it's like, well, am I in love with that performance or am I in love with that song? So that's my root. For what it's worth. 
I think that's reasonable. I think the only thing I'll add to that is I think these songs need to have the quality of sounding like they were written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, yes, I agree that that is the ultimately the big thing for me. And in some of these songs as as much as they're on here, and even some of the songs I've suggested that are on here don't necessarily capture that. And so it will be an interesting discussion. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive in with our first category, our smallest category, but a category that merited uh, discussion and creation nevertheless, and that would be natural reveries. So we have three songs in this category from Oklahoma, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, from South Pacific, Some Enchanted Evening, and from The Sound of Music, Edelweiss. Three pretty good songs. Yeah. I mean, it's actually kind of interesting because not only are they, I, I, I love this, the, the, the category title of natural reveries here because that's really what they are. They are the universe is wonderful. Our world is wonderful. Everything, the, 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 the crowd is wonderful and, and the waiter over there is wonderful and that mountain over here is wonderful. I mean, like that's literally what this is. This is everything is awesome only less annoying than the Lego movie. But I think there is kind of a hierarchy in here. I'm going to I'm going to start with my my number 3 on this list which is Edelweiss. The primary reason I say Edelweiss is my least likely in this category is that kind of aforementioned does it sound like Rodgers and Hammerstein? It to me it does not. Um Edelweiss is supposed to be this Austrian folk song that the kids grew up with that the captain grew up with and it's implied in the story that it was a song he sung all the time until the death of his first wife and then he stopped singing it and that helped make the kids sad but now he's singing again so everyone is happy but it is it's a very it's a it's a folk song and without having done a deep dive on it I'm assuming it is original. It is an original um, Rogers tune, and not actually a folk song that he just kind of stuck in and didn't attribute to anyone else. But it doesn't. It doesn't pass that sniff test for me. Had I not known Sound of Music, had I not known this show at all, I would never know that Edelweiss is a Rogers and Hammerstein tune. I think that's probably fair. Does Edelweiss transcend beyond a duo, beyond musical theater into something on a higher plane of songwriting? Because it is kind of a perfect song. It does. And I would, you know, I would say it's one of those weird songs from Sound of Music that has become like this holiday hit, even though it has nothing to do with Christmas or the end of the year. Around the holidays? I feel like they are. I feel like this and favorite things I hear in rotation in the oh god. I mean whatever music. John, are you sure you don't you don't just like shop at a store that only plays the sound of music soundtrack? I mean, I can't guarantee that's not the case. But in this case, I feel fairly confident in saying Edelweiss is one of those songs that's kind of been co-opted by the the, the Christmas movement. Wait, I don't think I've ever heard this song played around the holidays. I, I, okay. I can't argue with you, but I, I, I don't think I've 
heard it that way. That also could just be my will for ignorance of music. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's where I that's where I'm at with this one. That so that takes us down to oh, what a beautiful morning from Oklahoma in some enchanted evening from South Pacific. My mind is torn here because of the two, there is one that is more symphonic in nature, and then there's one that is more Broadway in nature. Both are very quintessential Rogers and Hammerstein tunes. Um, I would argue that the strength of Some Enchanted Evening lies more in the strength of Oscar Hammerstein's lyrics as opposed to Richard Rogers' music. And then reverse that for Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, that the strength of the song is more on Richard Rogers' music as opposed to Oscar Hammerstein's lyrics. I would argue with that last bit a little bit. I think it's hard to write simple lyrics. And the lyrics to Oh, What a Beautiful Morning are admittedly simple, but they're also a crystal clear uh, encapsulation of exactly the world that you are walking into when you hear Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. I can't argue with that on its face. I guess the only way I would respond to that is, oh, what a beautiful morning is a more dynamic melody. It, you know, we were talking about Edelweiss and whether it may or may not have been corrupted and co-opted by the Christmas lobby. Oh, what a beautiful morning has become cultural. Like I've seen it used for car commercials. I've seen it used for coffee commercials. I've, I mean, it has become... It is, in my mind, the Rodgers and Hammerstein equivalent of there's no business like show business. Everyone uses it. Everyone tries to cram it into their brand so that they can use it for an advertising or emphasis or whatever. Of everything they've written, I would argue it's probably one of the top three songs that's recognizable outside of its its source material. Everyone knows, oh, what a beautiful morning. I mean, it's been used to 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 sell Raisin Bran. We went from Rogers and Hammerstein in Oklahoma to Raisin Bran with the same song. Are you trying to disparage Raisin Bran? I am not. I am a big okay. fan of Raisin Bran. Good. Right, we're on the same page there. But does its ubiquitousness translate in? Is it because of the song, or is it just because of the lyrics? I mean, I think it's a pretty complete song. Uh, you know, I, I love some Enchanted Evening, but to bring in some of your uh, criteria, some Enchanted Evening is really easy to sing very badly and have it sound bad. That is very true. It is very performer dependent. And there have been some exceptionally bad recordings of some Enchanted Evening. I think, oh, what a beautiful morning might be the strongest overall song out of these three i agree completely i was just being contrary there for a couple of minutes because it's fun oh yeah hands down oh what a beautiful morning is the strongest of these three songs it is it, it is a complete song it doesn't matter who sings it matter of fact i don't know that i could pin down a singular recording of oh what a beautiful morning and say, no, this is, you know, it's this person and this person makes it good. No, it's a great song, no matter who sings it. So there it is. We have our first finalist on the way to best song by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oh, what a beautiful morning. 
Are you okay if we just go down the categories in order? Bring it on. All right. Up next, Ain't It Swell. Songs about <laughs> things that are nice. And it is. This is so fantastic. I mean, like you the the category the very arbitrary categories that you have put are just fantastic like and they fit so damn perfectly so for ain't it swell we have five songs first from oklahoma we have kansas city from south pacific there's nothing like a dame also from south pacific a wonderful guy from the king and i getting to know you and from the sound of music my favorite things why don't you start us off this time? Uh, so I want to start near the bottom. And I'm sort of torn between two songs that I just don't actually think are that great. Okay. And those are Kansas City and Getting to Know You. <laughs> uh, yeah. Getting to Know You, I feel like and we haven't talked about this with in, in a show for a while. Getting to Know You has always been a bit of a filler song for me in King and I. It feels almost montage-like, even though it doesn't actually function as a montage song in the show. But it's just very much a, we've reached a point, and here's the 5-7 chord, and now we're going to sing a bit because it feels like we should sing. There's nothing dramatic about it. There's nothing in the context of the show that moves anyone to sing this song. This is a song that exists because it's a musical and they needed to write X amount of songs. That being said, it's a fine song. It is the Rodgers and Hammerstein sound, but I don't even think it's the best song in King and I. I don't even think it's in the top five songs of King and I. I'm hard pressed to name five songs from King and I, so I'll, I'll, I'll quibble with that a teeny bit. Um, but I, I will say King and I getting to know you, this feels like it's just an excuse to give Julie Andrews a number in the movie. I, I get that, you know, we're talking about the Broadway musicals and, and I don't, was she, she wasn't the original mm -mm. Anna. No, I didn't think so. No. But I can only hear this in her voice. I don't know. It's not their strongest song. So I think if you were to give it to a lesser performer, it might not hold up. I think that's fair. Um, I don't know that I necessarily hear it in Julie Andrews' voice. Um, Gertrude Lawrence, by the way, was the original Broadway Anna. Um, I... Again, this is a song for me that I, I don't know that I'd necessarily nail down to any one specific performer. Um, again, I, I think it's just, it's an amalgamation of any, every recording I've ever heard of it. And it's just like this very generic mezzo sound to me, which I don't know what that says more about the song or more about me, probably a little bit of both. So, I mean, I agree with you. It's it's towards the bottom of this list for me. I will take a little bit of an exception with Kansas City because I think Kansas City is a great country mouse in the big city number, which is hilarious because Kansas City during the time period of the show wasn't actually a big city. And I, I feel like that was kind of part of the joke with 
you know, you know, with them going to can and 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 the buildings is tall and it just like it just it strikes me as it's almost like someone visiting another planet and it's silly and it's fun. So then let me ask it to you this way. If you want silly fun, are you going to choose to listen to Kansas City or are you going to choose to listen to There's Nothing Like a Dame? Well, because they're both silly uh, fun. They and are. For, for me, there is no contest because one of the things that Rodgers and Hammerstein doesn't actually do all that often, but that I think they do exceptionally well is write a rousing men's chorus song. True. You're, I'm fighting a little bit here in my mind because I don't think the lyrics for There's Nothing Like a Dame, I don't feel like it's Hammerstein's best work. I don't are feel you, like it. Are you about to sit here and defend Kansas City? Shall I pull up the lyric to Kansas City and read to you? <laughs> I mean, okay. So if we're, if we're both going to attack this as lyrics, meh, we got to go with tune, uh, which means it's got to be Dame of the two, at least. Dame is a better tune. Because Dame is a better tune. Dame is more quintessential Golden Age Broadway, but Dame is also more quintessential Richard Rogers Golden Age Broadway. It is more textbook. It checks all the boxes for what we're expecting from a Richard Rogers tune. It's rousing. It's fun. It is easy to sing but also shows off the singer's voice singers i guess in this case because it is and that's that's the other thing here is that of the five songs it's the only group number on this list everything else is 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 a solo number maybe but well with yeah maybe and maybe that ultimately becomes the defining characteristic is that nothing like a dame can't be about a specific performance because it's not about a singular performance it's about a group sound it's about a group texture i think you may have convinced me here i'm so glad that i've convinced you that there is nothing like a dame is better than kansas city but that being said i don't know how the winner out of this category is not either a wonderful guy or my favorite things (sighs) I'm just so sick of my favorite things. I get it. It's it is is way overplayed, but it is you know, you mentioned that oh what a beautiful morning is probably one of their top 3 most identifiable songs. My favorite things is their single most identifiable song. It is the song that everybody knows by them. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. And I don't know that I would agree with that, but I don't know that I can argue that. Tell, Without... yeah, tell, tell me the song that society at large knows more than that one. I mean, I suppose you can make an argument for The Sound of Music or Climb Every Mountain. And I Not know Climb gonna... Every Mountain. That's you don't just think so? theater people. No, that's just theater so? people. Yeah, okay. 100%. Ariana Grande took my favorite things and used it as the foundation for, for uh, what is it, Seven Rings? And everyone knew what she was doing because everyone in the world knows my favorite things. But because a song is popular, does it necessarily make it good? No, that's true. Tell me it's a bad song. It's not a bad song. 
and it's and not a bad song. Again, I I feel like I'm probably being a little contrary because I agree. If so, we have getting to know you is out. Kansas City is out. I feel like we're saying bronze medal is going to go to. There's nothing like a dame. I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that. I would personally, I, I'm not a fan of a wonderful guy. I don't feel like it's a particularly memorable song. I don't feel like it is, there is no performance or group of performances that stick out for me of it's a wonderful guy. So I feel like the argument probably is a little bit more. There's nothing like a dame in my favorite things. And if we're going to allow, I'll I'll allow that with the caveat that uh, Barbara Cook's solo performance of wonderful guy on her uh, album, Barbara Cook's Broadway is very, very good. Yes. But I mean, John, let's be very honest you would buy an album of Barbara Cook singing the phone book. Well, I mean, if it was music by Rogers, probably. <laughs> so I agree with you that may, my favorite things is probably the more popular of the two. In the category Ain't It Swell, you may there i think like there's an argument that there's nothing like a dame fits that a little bit better but sure. on the counterpoint to the counterpoint these are completely and totally arbitrary categories yeah. and <laughs> i can't go i can't go two categories in and say no we must also say it fits the category because the category could be left-handed glass blowers and it could be my favorite things <laughs> I have dreamed and I enjoy being a girl. And you're going to say, what does that have to do with left-handed glass blowers? And we'll say, shut up. It's our podcast. We get to set this. So no, I can't, that can't happen. I get that. Okay, fine. I feel like of the two, you're, you are right. And again, I'm probably being contrary. And my favorite things is the better of the two songs. It is the more popular of the two songs. I think my hang up ultimately is my fatigue of the song makes me enjoy it less than there's nothing like a dame however i listen to this music then a lot a lot more than average joe schmo does and so my experience is not necessarily a valid experience for everyone else and so i have to be very careful in addressing that and so just because i think my favorite things is overdone does not mean everyone else does well and and ultimately whether or not it's overdone bears little relevance as to whether or not it's the best song that rnh wrote agreed and i i think i i look i love there is nothing like a dame i really really do i think my favorite things is a better song i don't disagree and so let's put it up on the board all right flying through these this is yeah this is but here's where it gets fun because here's he next category is where we get some real heavy hitters next up is love songs slash love duets about not being in love which again is a quintessential rogers and hammerstein category first up we have people will say we're in love from oklahoma if i loved you from carousel a fellow needs a girl from allegro I have dreamed from the king and I. Hello, young lovers from the king and I. No other love from me and Juliet. And at all at once, you love her from Pipe Dream. That's right. We even dug into Pipe Dream and me and Juliet. 
Now, I just want to take a second here because I do not think the song uh, No Other Love or at All at Once You Love Her from Me and Juliet and Pipe Dream are going to win in this category because they have some very, very, very steep competition. That being said, we need to talk about Me and Juliet because in doing my research for this show, uh, there is some delightful music in that show and no other love is a really really delightful love song oh i agree a hundred percent and i agree it belongs on this list but let's also be honest these two songs are just very honored to be nominated yeah same with pipe dream again i, I look forward to when we can fully discuss pipe dream uh great show very very good song if you don't know all at once you love her by it from pipe dream go check it out it's not gonna win this category no no um and and once again a, a very king and i heavy portfolio here now i have to say i don't care for either of these king and i songs i have dreamed is okay hello young lovers is not for me I Have Dreamed has the same problem as Some Enchanted Evening for me. I feel like I Have Dreamed is very easily sung poorly by the wrong people. And again, because again, it's this very long melodic line with a lot of chromatics and a lot of little movements in there. And so as a consequence, it is very performer dependent. And if you have someone who isn't up to navigating those changes, up to kind of really working through that song it's gonna be a nightmare it's going to be a disaster so uh, hello young lovers is that one that you added to the list this is one i added to the list so tell and me why you love this song so i feel like this song so this song fascinates me because it is actually a young it, it is a great song about love but it doesn't really match a lot of the other love songs that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote, which ultimately may be the primary reason we end up eliminating it, is it's light, it's frothy, it is, oh, what, it just, it is not this kind of torch aesthetic where we have these long, beautiful, luscious lines. It's a very, hello, young lover, da, 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 da. it's this almost this pastoral feel at times. It's very light. It's, it just, it is an aesthetically pleasing song for me. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't stick with me. Like you just sang it and I had to, to, to stop the podcast and create dead space for John to edit out to go and listen to it again because it didn't sound like what you sang. You sang it correctly, but I was like, is that how it goes? Well, and now here's where I admit to a bias that actually breaks one of your rules. We we agreed we were only going to talk about songs from shows written by Rodgers and Hammerstein that premiered on Broadway after being written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. There are two reviews that were written in the 1990s of Rodgers and Hammerstein music that I have absolutely fallen in love with. One is It's a Grand Night for Singing, and the other is Some Enchanted Evening. Now, I do not know Some Enchanted Evening as well as I do It's a Grand Night for Singing, but one of the things Grand Night for Singing does exceptionally well is it takes tunes that are meritorious from the Rodgers and Hammerstein catalog 
and highlights them. Some of them are not, like, they're just not popular. And actually how I first fell in love with Hello Young Lovers is through It's a Grand Night for Singing. Actually, Same Deal with Kansas City is, is another song that is in Grand Night for Singing that is absolutely gorgeous. So maybe I'm carrying a little bit of a bias here in that um, because that's ultimately what is in my ear for that music um, and why I enjoy it. And now I have supplicated myself because I am throwing myself on your mercy because I have just admitted I have broken one of the biggest rules. And as a consequence, we are eliminating Hello Young Lovers because I've admitted it's not because of King and I, it's because of something outside. And I've not only broken one of your rules, now I have broken one of my rules. And so the next thing is A Fellow Needs a Girl from Allegro, which... Why is this song on the list? (laughs) Because I was clicking through Allegro to try and find songs that we could talk about because I wanted to try and represent every show. And this one was nice. It is. It is. It's it's not the most memorable song from the show. No, it Um, is arguably even less memorable than Hello Young Lovers. It is, which brings us down to our final two, which is People Will Say We're In Love from Oklahoma and If I Loved You from Carousel. Well, let's talk about the second place finisher first, and people will say we're in love. (laughs) Okay, look, so you're not wrong. Obviously, (laughs) If I Loved You is going to come out of this. If you've listened to our episode on Carousel, you know exactly why we say that, but we need to give credit where credit is due. People will say we're in love is a really, really, really good song. It's, it's, Agreed. it is like that quintessential love duet about not being in love. It, it, it is, it is a great melody. The original orchestrations are fantastic. And the, the lyric play is kind of quintessential of this duo t- to my mind. I agree. And if I love, if, if if i loved you was not in this category this would be the winner because it's clever it's sprightly it doesn't matter who's singing it it doesn't matter if it's in concert version it doesn't matter if it's in the context of the show people will say we're in love is an excellent song and i almost would argue maybe we should be bringing two songs out of this but we're not going to do that because well let's be honest this is arbitrary and since it's arbitrary we get to make the goddamn rules and the goddamn rules at this second say no we're only bringing one song out of a category but that's not to take anything away from people will say we're in love it is a fantastic song i would probably argue for me personally, the best song from Oklahoma. And so if we were talking about the best song from Oklahoma, I would say people will say we're in love is in that discussion. Very, very, very close. I think that's probably fair. The only problem is it is going up against the juggernaut that is If I Loved You, which is hands down the best song from Carousel. It is... in. It does not matter who is singing this song. It does not matter who Billy is. It does not matter who Julie is. This song is quintessential Rodgers and Hammerstein. It is beautiful lyrics that are both wistful and optimistic and yet still have that element of a soul-crushing sadness in it. And clarity. I, I, I don't think we give enough credit to simplicity, it is really hard 
to write just honest, earnest words. And that's what this song is. Well, and and let's not confuse simplicity with simplistic. These this song, even though it is clear and clear, a very a strong sense of clarity and has a simplicity in its lyrics, it is still the height of elegance within the storytelling. Couple that with Richard Rogers' tune, which is, again, very clear and sincere in its simplicity. It's not this big sweeping melody. It's, you know, it's just going up the triad, then coming down the scale. That's it. That that's all it is. It is very, very simple. But when you combine the two with just the 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 concept of where it sits in the story, if you combine it with its role in the show, it is it, it is. It just it is the textbook. It is the it is the benchmark by everything else in the show, what it's compared to. It is what sits at the top of the mountain for carousel. I do not disagree at all. So let's move on to our fourth category, comedy songs. In this category, we have from Oklahoma, I Can't Say No, from Allegro, The Gentleman is a Dope, from South Pacific, Honey Bun, from Me and Juliet, That's the Way It Happens, and from Flower Drum Song, I Enjoy Being a Girl. Once again, Flower Drum Song is just very happy to be nominated. So, I mean, let me just be fully honest. Uh, I didn't bring a song from Flower Drum Song into this show. You you pushed for adding I Enjoy Being a Girl with the um, the justification that if I can't say no is on the list, then I Enjoy Being a Girl should be on the list. And I, quite frankly, I'm okay with removing both songs. Well, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're very similar songs. They're um, very it's, similar songs. I enjoy being a girl feels somehow much more offensive to me. I don't well, know. And he, and and here's the thing about it is Flower Drum Song is also the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical people don't like to talk about. Why? Because it's the one show that they wrote that they just gave zero shits about the optics of the racism and the stereotypes and the and the ethnicity just washing that they did flower drum song is a show that needs to be forgotten from the canon and that's saying something because again it's rogers and hammerstein so the music itself is actually pretty enjoyable but it's a show that is almost impossible to be performed nowadays without diving into topics and subjects and characterizations that are inappropriate that being said on its face stripping away forget flower drum song exists for a second pretend that i enjoy being a girl was written in isolation that rogers and hammerstein pulled a jason robert brown and said i'm just going to write a song in the style of a musical and just put it out there in the universe and, and that's fine i enjoy being a girl is Still not great. Well, when I have a brand new hairdo, really? Well, okay. Yes. Is that any better than, 
it ain't so much a question of knowing what to do. I know what's right and what's wrong since I've been 10. I've heard a lot of stories and reckon they're true about how girls are put upon by men. I know I mustn't fall into the pit, but when I'm with a feller, I forget. I know forget. I'm not. You got to make him. You got to make him rhyme. Forget. Sorry. So basically, hey, men are jerks who only want one thing and I should stay away from them. But when they're around me, I can't. That's what no. I can't say no is. I, and so here's what I'm going to say. Here's my hot take for this entire episode. Rogers and Hammerstein weren't very good at writing fun slash funny songs. Sentiment is sort of where their strength lies. I agree with a couple of caveats. I think they did not know how to write comedy songs for women. I think valid. I think if you look at some of their strongest output for female identifying characters and voices, it is in ballads, it's in love songs, it's in self-reflection, it's in inspiration. So I I will I will agree with you. They were not particularly great at writing comedy songs, but they were exceptionally ungreat at writing comedy songs for and about women. So with those two safely removed, can, can we can we discuss why you wanted to put Honey Bun on this list? Well, first of all, it is a great comedy song. It's a great comedy song in the context of South Pacific. Is the song at all funny if you don't see some guy dressed up as Honey Bun on stage? Oof. Bringing in those truth bombs. Mm. The answer is no, John. It's like a, a bad little cheesy love song if you don't know that it's making fun of whatever that character's name is dressed up as a hula girl. I can't remember his name. Okay. Okay. Um, it look, it's not it, a bad I mean, song. It's I mean, not also, a good song. Also, to be fair, I did put this on the list purely because of your reaction to the end of South Pacific. Yeah, it's a terrible which, song to, to reprise me, at the end of a show. Which to me is the height of comedy. Okay. Well, the show is not... What's the best song that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote that elicits a reaction from me? The show is what's the best song that they wrote? How is that not a category? Best song to get an emotional response out of John McKeever. That should have been a category in this this episode and we probably could have filled it. Um, Okay, now here's going to be my hot take for the episode. I am now going to argue why The Gentleman is a Dope is the best comedy song they wrote. And it, I'm going to use your own words against you. They don't do comedy well. They do wistful. They do sentimental. They do self-depreciating well. And that's what Gentleman is, The Gentleman is a Dope is. Little bit of the lyrics. Gentleman is a dope, a man of many faults. A clumsy Joe who wouldn't know will rumba from a waltz. The gentleman is a dope and not my cup of tea. Why do I get in a dither? He doesn't belong to me. And the song goes on and on and on. And then there are little things. Uh, the gentleman's eyes are blue, but little do they see. And so on. Uh, he's somebody else's problem. She's welcome to the guy, but she'll never understand him half as well as I. So she's talking about 
this she she's talking about the 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 person she's singing about and uh it starts out very self-depreciating it's supposed to be a little bit funny because she's kicking him while he's down she's you know she's all, all the reasons why this guy's a moron why this guy's an idiot but it starts morphing into this grudging maybe i do love him and it adds a second layer of comedy. Like there's actually a sophistry in these lyrics that push this a little bit higher to the heat for me because it's funny because it's clever. It's funny because of its double speak. And in that complexity, we see the most Rogers and Hammerstein aspect of the song. I disagree. I think okay. you see the most Rogers aspect of the song. For the longest time, I thought this was a Rogers and Hart tune because it smacks of Rogers and doesn't sound remotely like Hammerstein to me. How so? It just doesn't, the that opening kind of um, descending ostinato and the, the, I don't know, the melody just doesn't, it doesn't sound like him to me. Okay, then how would you sell me on that's the way it happens? I can't other than I really like it. <laughs> I think it's it's a very funny song that's very, very charming. Okay. I mean, I'll be honest, that's the way it happens is not a song I am particularly familiar with. I should be. I admit that. Um, it's not memory. I've heard the song. I have heard the song in context of listening to the sound, the, the cast album. I have heard the song in recital. I have heard it. I've actually even heard it in auditions, which is kind of weird because that's someone pulling deep into their book, um, which is going to bring me to my second hot take of this episode. Maybe nothing comes out of this category. We have five categories and we have both declaimed very definitively in our lack of belief in the Rodgers and Hammerstein comedy song that whatever comes out of this category is not going to stand up against the other four. That's fair. And maybe it's as simple as saying they weren't exceptionally great at writing comedy songs. And so none, none of these songs, if you put them in a different category, and you could you could put Gentleman is a Dope into Reflections and Instructions. You could probably put Honey Bun in Ain't It Swell. I Can't Say No and I Joy Being a Girl. You could put into the category of songs about women who don't actually know how to be women. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't like not picking a winner because that's not how my brain works. But I do agree that fundamentally, whatever would come out of this category is not going to beat any of the three songs we have previously picked. And we haven't even gotten to another very strong category. Absolutely. So for my brain, I'm going to allow. The gentleman is a dope to have won this category, oh, you're even so though I think, 
everyone should go check out that's the way it happens which to be fair also doesn't sound like a hammerstein song but it's just really really it's good i mean to be fair we need to talk about me and juliet at some point because yes it's it's a show that no one knows but is one of those charming rogers and hammerstein shows that if more people knew i think would probably be more in I would love to try and put it together with a small little combo because it's the type of show that would be perfect with like piano, drums, bass. Absolutely. That brings us to the last. And much like love songs and love duets about not being in love, this is a category filled with some heavy hitters. Reflections and instructions. First, we have from Carousel, Soliloquy. Also from Carousel, You'll Never Walk Alone. From Allegro, I Know It Can Happen Again. South Pacific, This Nearly Was Mine. Pipe Dream, Everybody's Got a Home But Me. And from The Sound of Music, Climb Every Mountain. (laughs) Tell me how you feel about Climb Every Mountain, John. (laughs) Now, here's the problem. And I I will admit my bias in it. Climb Every Mountain is like my favorite things. It is overdone. It is a bit over, and it even more so than my favorite things, I feel like it lends itself to being overwrought. And Climb Every Mountain, so Climb Every Mountain is sung by the Mother Abbess at the end of the show. And as as the Von Trapps are escaping over the mountain, where they're climbing every mountain, because they're they're climbing the Alps to get to Switzerland. In reality, they got on a train, but what's, you know, what's reality before a good story? Climb Every Mountain, the Mother Abbess, it seems like, is given to a woman who auditions or who is probably of the most operatic bent. And as a consequence, Climb Every Mountain, in my ear, always turns into this kind of overwrought, overdone warble of opera. And it's just like, that's, I don't feel like that's the song. And so I'm biased enough by the performance and by its overwroughtness to kind of discount the number to, in my mind, which isn't fair to the song, isn't fair to Rogers or Hammerstein, but the way it's performed now is just not good. Okay, so I agree. People do perform it badly. I don't know that we can hold that against the song. That's fair. I'm I'm reluctant to write that one off yet. Let's discuss some of our other options before we fully make a decision here. Because one of the songs you added to this list is one that I sort of was met on. And that's, I know it can happen again from Allegro. So why, what, tell, tell me about that one. So it's one of the reflective songs. And, it, and it's interesting because there's a strong dichotomy in this list. You've got soliloquy, or excuse me, let me, let me phrase that. We've got a strong dichotomy in this list. You've got, you'll never walk alone. This nearly was mine. Everybody's got a home, but me, which is this very introspective, reflective, oh God, what the fuck is happening? And then you've got soliloquy. I know it can happen again and climb every mountain, which is more, uh, oh, okay. Well, we're going to go out and we're going to slay that dragon. And so there's there's this, this split. For me, I know it can happen again, is that brand of optimism that we don't 
see too very often in Rogers and Hammerstein because it's a very earnest optimism. It's a very earnest, it's a very sincere feeling. Again, going back to kind of the simplicity in Elegant that we talked about with some of the other songs, I Know It Can Happen Again is one of those songs for me. It's very straightforward. It's very clean. It's very well put together. And it just, it works well within the context of the song. It works well in the context of the show and shows off some great writing by the both of them. It's okay. <laughs> it, I, I know that I've been the one to emphasize simplicity here. It's almost too simple to me. Like it doesn't take me on the emotional journey that so many of these other songs do. Mm-hmm. And it's a, this is a short song. I mean, it is. Is, it, is it less than two minutes? Like it doesn't do much. And what it does is not bad but I don't know that it's strong enough on its own to really beat some of these other heavy hitters. Okay. I I can't argue with that. I mean, let's be honest. Last place in this category is doing better than some of the other middle of the pack in other categories. Like this is this along with the love song category is filled with heavy hitters. Yeah. Let's this talk is the about AL it. East. This is the AL East of categories right now. Love songs is the NL West. And this one is the AL East of categories. And for you non-baseball people that will make no sense. Just trust me. It works. It does. <laughs> so let's talk about another uh, long shot song here. And that's a, another very good song in Everybody's Got a Home But Me from Pipe Dream. This one is one that doesn't necessarily speak to me. Yeah? Like, I, I don't know what it is. Lyric-wise, it's nothing exceptional. I don't feel like this is particularly Oscar Hammerstein's best work. It does... In isolation, the lyrics do come off a little repetitive to me. Um, I feel like, I mean, purely from a technical standpoint, I feel like the internal rhyme structure is set up in a way where it's a little bit forced to make those rhymes. Uh, Scooted out of Frisco over Route 101, bummed a ride as far as San Jose, rode aboard a Greyhound till I run out of dough, landed on my cannon Monterey. But I did see a lot of things along the way, and I did a lot of thinking on the way. Like, I get it. The rhyme structure is there. It works. It just, it's not, but I, I it's think not it's his normal brilliance. All of that happens in a five-minute song. All of that takes place within the first minute. True. Like, that's just sort of the, we've got to start a song. To me, the 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 beauty of this song lies in the chorus and that one of everybody's got a home but me like that's just that's so simple that's so pure that's so beautiful that's quintessential rogers and hammerstein to me but is that rogers and hammerstein or is that rogers putting a shine on okay hammerstein 
Well, look, it's not if I loved you. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Telegraph the ending. Wow. No, no. We, 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 no, this is completely, this is completely fair, people. No, it's fine. No, look, I'm just saying, <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice. I, I, I will go so far as to say that as much as I don't think it's fair to rag on climb every mountain because of how overdone and badly done it has become i think everybody's got a home but me is a better song than climb every mountain okay i feel like that's not a hot take but it's a warm take i and here's the thing is i don't know that i could argue that but it really doesn't matter because the other three songs that are left are probably better than both of them. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're 100% correct. I mean, we are, we are separating the metaphorical wheat and the chaff here. Not to say that any of these songs are chaff, because they're not. Um, but there, there, is, there is a line here. There is a line between something a little bit more deserving in some of these songs so with that being said we have three songs soliloquy and you'll never walk alone from carousel and this nearly was mine from south pacific i think of the three that are left um i feel like soliloquy and this nearly was mine was a bit of a toss-up this nearly was mine, I think, shows off Richard Rogers' music a lot. Um, I feel like it's one of the few songs that they wrote a ballad in 3-4 time, which is actually fairly rare in general, especially for Richard Rogers. It is very maudlin, which is also a bit out of character for, Ro for Rogers and Hammerstein. But there is an inherent honesty in the emotional presentation that does it for me in this song soliloquy the big knock it has for me on it and and again knock is in quotations because i think this is a brilliant song is that i would i think someone could not necessarily me but someone could make the argument that soliloquy isn't necessarily a single song but rather a combination of three different songs. And as a consequence, because it doesn't function on its own, I don't know if that lack of coherence outside the sphere works. So there are the three, there are three sections in soliloquy. There's the opening section, the boom, ba ba yum boom, da 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 da. Then there's he gets he's you know, my life is ending, I can't support this kid, and then he's like, but on the flip side, and then he gets, my boy could be president, my boy Bill is a song, da da da, so you got my boy Bill, which is really a, almost a song in itself, he gets there, and then he's like, well, and then he goes back into the sad, boom, ba ba yeah. and then he talks sad again, and then it's like, but what if it's a girl, and then we get my little girl pink and white as peaches and cream is she so we now have our third song in soliloquy 
which is where we kind of wrap up. I don't know that you could, as a consequence, because you can't necessarily say this is one unified song, that it stands as strongly, purely as a musical number, as opposed to this nearly, which was mine, which is self-encapsulated in isolation. It's a weird argument for that point. But I agree with you that this nearly was mine as a better song than Soliloquy. I don't think that those are the reasons I would go there. But Where I'm would happy. you go then? Uh, I, I just think uh, Soliloquy is not as good. Uh, I mean, the melody is not as emotionally compelling, any of the three. And the lyrics for me don't carry that kind of um beautiful earnest clarity that so often their songs do which this nearly was mine does but all of this sounded like you were trying to set up you'll never walk alone as the outstanding song in this category i don't know that it's super clear cut for me i think can i can i can i offer something no please 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 You'll Never Walk Alone is to carousel what Climb Every Mountain is to Sound of Music. But Agreed. You'll Never Walk Alone is a much better song. Agreed. And I want to say, it's not my favorite of their songs. I, I don't actually particularly like You'll Never Walk Alone. If I had to personally pick between You'll Never Walk Alone and This Nearly Was Mine, I would pick This Nearly Was Mine hands down every single time. Mm hmm but when it comes to what makes an RNH song, a very strong argument can be made for You'll Never Walk Alone. Agreed. And there are millions of Liverpool fans who would agree with you. Sorry, is that a, is that a football reference? It's a soccer reference. Well, yes. So, yes, it is a football reference. You said Liverpool. <laughs> Yes, you'll never think walk it was alone. MLS. No, you're, you'll never walk alone. Will is the um, anthem. I I don't know what you would call. You'll never walk alone is like their slogan. They sing it in every home match. Like it That's is so weird. Yeah, it's like one of the things that they are known. For. Like even I, who know nothing of Premier League football outside of Ted Lasso. Even I knew before that show, You'll Never Walk Alone was like this massive tradition for Liverpool. I don't know how I know that. Well, I learned something today. (laughs) I mean, if we're going to go on the face of it, I I think I would agree with you. You'll Never Walk Alone is a better song than This Nearly Was Mine. I feel like it is more quintessential Rodgers and Hammerstein. It, It encapsulates again the elegance and simplicity it is a great tune it doesn't matter who sings it it doesn't matter the arrangement it doesn't matter the orchestration i think it is probably this this is going to be a weird statement i think maybe it is probably their most inspirational number it's probably the song that is most successful at being an inspirational number that they've written because you've got climb every mountain you've got there are other songs that are, <laughs> that are meant to, 
maybe there isn't. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why this song sticks out to me is because outside of Climb Every Mountain, they don't do a ton of like inspirational pick yourself up and it's gonna be okay and we're gonna be with you. And that's what you'll never walk alone. And, and, and that's how it functions in the show. It functions that way twice in act at the beginning of act two, right after Billy has killed himself. It is Nettie singing to Julie. We are here. We're with you. We will be here to support you here in your darkest hour. And then at the very end of the show, when it's brought back as the finale, it's we are a community. We are family. We are friends. We are here to uplift each other. We are here to support each other. Like that, that it is a very unabashed inspirational number from a songwriting pair that doesn't do a ton of, I mean, how different would South Pacific had been had they ended with that type of hey we're gonna we're gonna go win the war as opposed to honey bun again you know i mean that's what they tried to do they just picked the stupidest song to do that with and that's what and i think that's where it gets into my idea that rogers and hammerstein didn't write a ton of that unabashed inspirational numbers and so when they do it but they do it on such a level as you'll never walk alone i think it stands out even more because it is as successful as it is so that's it we have our finalists we're not taking the gentleman as a dope with us are we hey look i already made that argument you told me we were so well look it won its category it but will it's... definitely be the fourth runner-up. Yes. I just don't fourth think it... runner-up, fifth place. Yes. Yes, I don't think it holds it. So, I mean, so right now we have five songs left from Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful morning. The Sound of Music, My Favorite Things. If I Loved You from Carousel. The Gentleman is a Dope from Allegro. And You'll Never Walk Alone from Carousel. It just... Of the other four, I don't think it matches up. I think it's a good song for its category, and I think it's the best song to come out of that category. But when comparing it to the other four, the quality, the difference in quality stands out rather starkly. So, John, I'm just going to ask you point blank. Of those, uh, I'll now say four songs, are any of them better than If I Loved You? Are any of them more quintessentially Rodgers and Hammerstein than If I Loved You. I would I see one in my mind. See, for me, it's two. If we're going on quintessential Rodgers and Hammerstein, I feel like Oh, What a Beautiful Morning and My Favorite Things are at least in the discussion of being quintessential Rodgers and Hammerstein. I feel like those are the three. Um, you'll never walk alone. I again is a strong song. It's a well song, but because maybe in this taking my my point even a step further, because they didn't write these unabashed inspirational songs, it doesn't fit into the Rogers and Hammerstein aesthetic as strongly as What a Beautiful Morning and My Favorite Things does. So if we're talking about the best Rodgers and Hammerstein song and not just the best song written by Rodgers and Hammerstein, the discussion ultimately becomes, 
oh, what a beautiful morning, my favorite things, and if I loved you. Because not only are they three incredibly strong songs, they are all three very quintessentially Rodgers and Hammerstein songs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that oh what a beautiful morning to me is more more representative of them at their best than my favorite things because as good as my favorite things is a not insignificant chunk of the lyrics is a rhyming list and Fair. while it is not easy to come up with a rhyming list a rhyming list does not necessarily demonstrate Roger's brilliance as much as the pure simplicity and elegance and charm of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Okay. So I, I think I agree to my that. mind, out of the songs that we have looked at, it's down to Oh, What a Beautiful Morning and If I Loved You. And I'm trying very, very hard not to just go with the song that I thought it was the winner from before I even started making this list. See, what what we did wrong in all of this is we recorded Carousel a couple of weeks ago. And so the problem is, is that right now we're Carousel on the brain. No, but I've, I've spent the last week listening to all of these shows and going through every song and actually listening to them. It was long. It was, and I'm sure. I, I just, I, you know, that's why I'm fighting so much for Pipe Dream and Me and Juliet throughout all this evening, because there's some damn good songs in those shows there that are. nobody knows. And, 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 and they're not If I Loved You. They're not. I mean, I guess if I were... A little bit of this is going to be devil's advocate. A little bit of this is just to make sure that I've got all my ducks in a row. Oh, what a beautiful morning. And if I love you, serve very different functions in their respective shows. Oh, what a beautiful morning sets the table for the entire production of Oklahoma. It is the song that opens the show. Oklahoma does not have an overture, correct? Yes, it does. It does. Okay. So other than the overture, it is the first thing you hear. You hear the little, the tweeting of the birds and the flutes and the oboes. And then we get into the cornfield and then, oh, what a beautiful, and it is setting up the entire world of Oklahoma. Whereas with If I Loved You, it is technically the second scene if we're still counting the prologue as scene one, which I still do. So this is the second scene and it's the very end of the second scene. It is, If I Loved You is the high point of the exposition of the show. It is, we have reached, we have introduced all of our characters, we have introduced all of their motivations and their hopes and their dreams and their fears, and we have gotten character A and character B together to see what happens. Narratively, as a con, they're just, they're very different. Oh, What a Beautiful Morning is unabashedly joyful it is meant to be bright and cheerful and just joie de vie to the excess whereas if i loved you what is very much a will they won't they kind of feeling it's a if i loved you i don't love you but if i did love you well maybe i do love you it's it's the reason the category was love duets about not being in love 
Right. And that's what, I mean, that is quintessentially what it is. It's, I don't love you, or maybe I do, but if I did love you, which I don't, but maybe I do, this is what would happen. It just, this is very hard for me because I want to say, I, I, I want to say if I loved you, if I, Carousel is my favorite Rodgers and Hammerstein show. If I loved you is my favorite scene from my favorite Rodgers and Hammerstein show. It is in my mind, the most quintessentially Rodgers and Hammerstein song. The lyrics are broad and expressive and they fit perfectly with the, the melody that Richard Rodgers has written. It is music as drama. It is music part of the drama. The scene flows within and out of the song so eloquently and you can't separate it. So I have a question. Can If I Loved You be the best song that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote? if you cannot separate the song from the scene because if you if you look at if i loved you as a song what what is it where does it start and where does it end i think now now to make myself a massive hypocrite yes i do think it is separable i think there are very definite starting and stopping spots in each so the song is actually sung twice in that scene the first time by julie the second time by billy there is definitely a very beginning of the song there is a very ending of the song the scene continues beginning of the song end of the song end of scene so yes it is separable dramatically and in you know, this is something that's come up a couple of times in the podcast over the years. I am very much a music director who likes to work music as drama. I am not the type of music director who sits there and plunks out notes and, okay, you're singing the notes, great, go have fun. I've always been someone who has liked to work intention and purpose and character, and that is integrated within the music. That's maybe one of the reasons I love this song so much is because it does so much of that work for you. They can exist without it, but they're better together. So to answer your question way too long, yes, it is separable. I can say if I loved you starts here, ends here, is done. Okay. <laughs> so where does it start? She sings it. Uh, so we're at the um, somehow I would see just exactly how I'd be. And then the beginning of the song, if I loved you. Time so, that's the, and so, so the bit that we're categorizing as their best song starts directly at if I loved you. Right. And ends time with. And again. Yeah. And ends with if I love you. If I love you, do, 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 do. so it's um, roughly maybe a minute. Uh, closer to two. <laughs> I don't know. I, I look. I, I'm with you. I love that chunk, but I don't know if that on its own is enough to fully demonstrate them at their best. See, I because, think it is. But the lyrics of just that chunk are, if I loved you time and again, I would try to say all I wanted you to all know. All I want you to know, if I loved you. If I loved you. 
Um, Words wouldn't come in an easy way. Right. Round in circles, I'd go. Long Longing to tell, to tell you, you, but afraid and shy, I'd let my uh, golden, chances golden chances pass, pass me by. Soon you'd leave me, leave me off. You would, off go you would go in the mist, the mist of, of day. day. Mm -hmm. Never, okay. never right. to know how I loved you. If I loved you, see, I think. I think in this case, holding time against it isn't necessarily fair because it is so dense for the amount of time it exists. And we do get it again three minutes later when Billy... So, I mean, and this this is what makes discussions like this hard because there is a, a fluidity to it. Is it one big song that has a scene in the middle? Because there are shows, there are shows that I have done. I'm sure there are shows that you have done where there's part of a song, a scene, and then more song. So, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Which is not something you want to hear on, a, on, on an episode like this. I think we should just trust our guts. And allow it, allow the song that we want to win, to win, because we're pretty good judges of, I'd of like to quality so. in music. We're not the highest judge of all, though. Ah, uh, ah, uh, you're just glaring at me. Okay, that's fair. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The best Rodgers and Hammerstein song, If I Loved You, from Carousel. If you've learned anything over the course of this episode, I hope it's that you need to go and listen to Me and Juliet and Pipe Dream, which we will get to soon. Well, that should just about do it for this episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can drop us a line at musicalminutespodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Musical Minutes with John and John or on Twitter at Musical Mins Pod. That's Musical M-I-N-S Pod. Intro and outro music, Bebop 25, is provided under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License by Jason Shaw on Audionautics.com. Thank you for joining us. I'm John. And I'm John. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.